Good morning, uh, Crossing Church. Um, so if you have your Bibles, uh, we are continuing in 1 Corinthians, so you can go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going through verses 9 through 11 this morning. It is also a really special day. Happy Mother's Day to all our mothers. Um, if you have been wondering for a while if there is a Mother's Day sermon in verses 9 through 11, I could not do one. Uh, it's not there. No mothers. Uh, but I think it would be uh, silly, uh, dumb of us, uh, to not acknowledge mothers, not be thankful for mothers. Uh, so here uh, I know uh, that we have great, uh, loving mothers from a couple months now uh, to some who have been mothers for years and years. Uh, and so I'm very thankful uh, for all of you. And I think I, when I was younger, um, I would kind of say that flippantly, maybe on Mother's Day. I'd obviously thank my mom for being my mom. She's an awesome mom. Uh, but I don't think I really got it, uh, understood what being a mother was uh, until college. And two things happened, or now two things happened since college. Uh, I started working with a lot of kids uh, of younger ages, and I got to see some moms who were not great at all, uh, who um, did not love their kids, did not care for their kids. Uh, that breaks my heart still, as I have preschoolers who do the same thing. Uh, and so I get to be so much more thankful for my mom. Uh, and then also three months ago, uh, we had a kid, me and Chan, uh, and I got to see every day now uh, kind of what a mom really is uh, with a selfish, lazy dad uh, to go along with her. Um, so I get to see that in her. And so I uh, so much more appreciate uh, what godly, loving, caring mothers do. Uh, so thank you so much. Um, you guys are awesome. All right. Uh, so let's get into the text. Verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Father, thank you so much um, for any day uh, that we can come, gather together, uh, read your word, worship you, uh, celebrate everything you've given us, God. Thank you so much for this body, uh, that this uh, building, this time of the, the day, this day of the week is not the church uh, but we are the church. Thank you so much uh, for this people um, who love one another uh, and who want to make uh, much of you, who want to make disciples of you. God, I pray this morning um, that there be no distractions at all. You cast all distractions away, whether that be from me uh, in, in my talk and how I present things uh, and what is going on in our lives outside of this building this next week. Uh, throw all that away, God. Uh, I pray that we uh, can sit here, um, hear the word, hear the gospel proclaimed, and then worship you because of that. Uh, thank you so much for this opportunity. Uh, God, I pray that you are glorified above all in everything we do. Amen. All right, so last week uh, we read verses 1 through 8. Jared uh, led us through Paul calling out these Corinthians uh, for bringing their disputes uh, within the body uh, to the unrighteous, to the uh, to the world, a non-believing court, um, rather than uh, handling it within the body. Um, he talked about how this was 
so wrong, how this was a loss for the church, uh, not loving each other in these silly disputes, not caring for their brothers and sisters who are not brothers and sisters by blood, but for eternity. Um, and so after this, uh, after kind of Paul lays them out, like lays into them what all these disputes, uh, he's, he's pretty upset. Um, maybe they're thinking uh, that that's it. All right. Uh, so he went from calling out sexual, sexual immorality in chapter 5 and then takes it down a level to these disputes. Uh, and so maybe now they're thinking, all right, we get it. We're sinful. How about those questions we asked you, we wrote you about? Can you get to those like a much uh, lesser um, level, uh, please? Uh, but he does not do that at all. Um, he then starts calling out specific sins, uh, specific sinful acts uh, in their lives. Um, and here, I, uh, 9 and 10, I, I don't want us to get caught up in uh, these specific sins. I don't want us to um, analyze every sin and talk about uh, why it's wrong, uh, why we should not do those, because I think it's pretty clear. Uh, I think Paul does it really well. Uh, all these will not inherit the kingdom of God. So I don't think there's anything else we can study about that. Those sinners will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, and so, but I do uh, want to dive deeper into that. Uh, and so let's read that again. Let's start from 7 and 8, just a little bit higher, um, and then move on to 9 and 10. To have lawsuits at all with one another, one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud, even your own brothers. Or do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, and so to sum it up, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. So uh, Marion Webster, not the actual book, because I couldn't. Uh, I don't think I have a book. Uh, so I looked it up online. It's much easier. Um, defines unrighteous as not righteous, and so that didn't help a lot. And so I def- dove more into it. Uh, after that, it also defines it as wicked uh, or sinful. So we can look at this obviously as uh, rather than unrighteous, we can look at it as sinful. The sinful, those full of sin will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, they, they will not inherit it, and they will not be saved uh, from hell. We know that that's understood. Um, then he gives us a lot of uh, list, uh, a long list of specific uh, sinful actions that will not uh, receive the inheritance. Um, and so with this, uh, I'll, another reason why I don't think we should get caught up with this is I think we can assume Paul is not saying that only these sinful actions will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, but, you know, prideful, uh, gossipers, murderers, you guys are cool, but as long as you're not doing this, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Obviously not. Uh, We know that for all of sin, and falling short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, not some sin, all of it leads to death. Um, And so with that being said, I think it's safe to say uh, Paul is not addressing specific, Paul is addressing specific sin um, that he knows that the Corinthians... um, what struggled with or still uh, struggling with because he spent a year and a half with them. Uh, he knows these people very well. Uh, so he knows what they went through, maybe what some are still going through. And so by doing that, he calls out uh, specific sin. Uh, but why does, why does Paul do this? Um, and we know that Corinth had a, a very intellectual atmosphere. Uh, from the first chapter, Paul immediately has to deal with uh, boasting in their own wisdom. He, uh, 
It says in chapter 1, verse 30, um, And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so they're, they're known for boasting in what they know, what they can do. Um, and then later on, just how, how he uses this sarcasm. Uh, Jared even pointed to it last week. Um, he says, Can it be that no one among you is wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers? Wait, you don't know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. He, he's using the sarcasm uh, very bluntly uh, to call them out uh, for their boasting themselves. So we see that these people have this knack uh, for boasting what they know, what they can do, what they have accomplished. Um, so personally for me, uh, reading, um, reading this, 9 and 10, uh, knowing this about the Corinthians, I have found that when I am in a season of, of boasting uh, on my own, uh, of, on my own understanding, my own wisdom, uh, what I've done, what I can do, what, I have, have, what I've accomplished. Um, everything is going so right. There's not really a problem in the world that I can think of. Uh, when all that happens, uh, in my mind, uh, in me, sin grows lighter and lighter, smaller and smaller, um, to the point where I totally, almost totally forget uh, the consequences that sin brings, that the consequences that are immediate, uh, that affect my everyday life and the consequences eternally that have uh, a much greater uh, impact on my life. Uh, and so in these moments, uh, I am comfortable with my sin. Um, and so that may be where the Corinthians are right now, as Paul writes to them, because they, they, they've boasted so much in themselves. They have become comfortable with this, this sin that when we look at it in, in 9 and 10, it is, it is very outright. It is bad sin in our eyes, very morally terrible sin. Uh, and so maybe the Corinthians are, have become very comfortable with their sin. Um, so because of this um, possibly happening, Paul definitely has to wake them up to see this, uh, to plead with them to see the weight of sin and the destruction that sin brings. Um, and so do we, the Crossing Church uh, here in Monroe, um, know the weight of sin? Do we know the weight of our sin and what it means uh, for us? Because I think if we simply define sin as, as not doing the things that we should do uh, and, and doing the things that we shouldn't do, the, the bad things we shouldn't do, um, I think we'll, be, we'll, we'll start to check this box, check these boxes and become a very legalistic, very morally good people uh, who are still relying on our own power um, to overcome sin. Uh, but I think what we want to get to, what Paul wants them to see this way is how do we get to the root of sin? What is the bottom? Why, why do we sin? Because I think, again, if we simply look at a surface level, uh, we'll continue to check these boxes. But do we know why we sin? What is the root of it? What's the bottom of it? And so while uh, preparing for the Sunday, uh, researching a lot for myself personally, because uh, it's like I said before, um, when I get into this season, it becomes that. I, I don't feel the weight. And so it was for me personally. And so to to really change my heart, for me to really see it, and then how to communicate that with you today, um, I was continually uh, pointing to uh, Romans chapter 1. Uh, so you can turn there. Uh, we're going to walk through 18 through 28 quickly uh, to find out, to really see what this root of sin is, what, what causes these sinful acts. 
So in verse 18 it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. And so we see right away in verse 18, uh, Paul refers to this sin as ungodliness, unrighteousness, um, and is by this unrighteousness, by this sin, um, because of their sin, they suppress this truth. Uh, rather than lifting up this truth, uh, being everything they're about, uh, because of this sin, they suppress the truth. Uh, and so what truth is this? 19, uh, what can be known about God? So the knowledge of God is this truth being suppressed. Knowledge of God, who He is, what He has done. This truth is being suppressed because of their sin. So the, the suppressing of truth is sinful, uh, but it is not because of that. It is because of this sin. And so we have to dive deeper um, to the root of this. Uh, so by reading this, we know that truth uh, is repulsive to sin. Sin does not want this truth, this knowledge of God, of who He is, uh, what He's done. It, it, it suppresses it. It pushes it down. It not at all lifts it up. And so Paul adds uh, in 20 uh, that they are without excuse for perceiving this truth. Um, everything that has been created uh, flows something more than just a creation uh, because it is made by God. And so while suppressing this knowledge of God is sinful, um, Paul said, is it because of the sin uh, that they do this? Uh, there's something at the bottom. There's something at this root of why they're suppressing the sin. Uh, and so uh, we can read on uh, to find out what. So 21 says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So we hear, see here simply that the unrighteous know the truth of God. They have no excuse to not know it because of all creation. Um, there's no way uh, they can not know of, uh, of God, uh, but they suppress it. Uh, they know it. They know the truth. They suppress it. Uh, so we know that sin repels light, runs to darkness, that, that we, uh, rather than desire light uh, in our flesh, we desire darkness. We enjoy darkness. We are not victims of darkness. So we run uh, to darkness. Um, and so we know that. Uh, and why? Uh, why does sin suppress this truth, this knowledge of God? Uh, sin will not glorify God. It cannot give thanks to God. So it suppresses this knowledge of God. So to avoid any glorification at all, to avoid it at all, to, to suppress it, to not acknowledge it, not acknowledge the glory of God. Um, so Paul continues with 22. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So because, we're going to go back through it again, it's because the unrighteous, uh, unrighteous suppress this truth, this knowledge of God, uh, because they don't want God. They don't want to honor God. They, 
instead of, uh, of leaving everything behind, they don't hate everything, they fill uh, this void with something else. And so they do love something. Uh, they hate God, but they do love something, so they just fill it with something else. Uh, so it says they exchange His glory for images, idols. Uh, because of that, God gives them up to the lust of their sinful hearts. Uh, they reject the true God and instead love His things He created. Uh, they would rather worship and serve and glorify the creature rather than the Creator. This is uh, getting down to the root even further. And we get this. We absolutely get this. Uh, whether it be stuff we have, uh, materialistic things, money, what money gets us, uh, comfort that we have in our, in our jobs, in our homes, in groups that we have, uh, these devices uh, that we all have that we become tied to, um, or even relationships that we have with people. Um, not that they're sinful in their own right, because they are a gift from God. They are not sinful. Uh, but what our flesh, what our minds do with them, that we would worship all these things that God has created so much more uh, than the Creator, than Him. And so we, we definitely get this. And so Paul continues in, in 26. For this reason, the reason being they be exchanging the truth of God uh, for a lie and worshiping and serving the creature, because this reason... Uh, God gave them up again to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations with those that are contrary to nature. The men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men, receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what not ought to be done. So they did not approve of God. God, again, gives them up to their flesh. Now, this flesh is a debased mind, uh, a reduced, small, um, depraved mind. And because of this mind, they now do what not ought to be done. So this, what not ought to be done, is the actual act of sinning. We've, we've gotten to the action of sinning, um, what not ought to be done. Um, and so we see this act of sinning comes from a nature of sin. The root of that nature is is all that Paul just walked us through in Romans. Uh, we suppress the truth, the knowledge of Him. We exchange His glory for images. We don't approve of God. We don't want Him. We hate Him. We have an overwhelming preference for other things rather than God who created those things. We don't want anything to do with Him. Uh, we are all about ourselves. At the bottom of it all, I, you, and our flesh, we are me-centered, us-centered. All about us. And so because of this sinful nature, not any specific sin, because of this sinful nature that we are born with, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. They're born with this, living in them. It is, it is, it is who they are. It is who we are in our flesh. Um, and we cannot do anything in our power to receive the kingdom of God uh, because God absolutely hates sin with everything He is. He is a just God, and what the unrighteous do deserve because of their sin, because of what they do, suppressing this truth, do not approving of God, loving His creation more than the Creator. Because of this, what they do deserve is eternal burning in hell, apart from God, apart from a good, loving, all-powerful God. This is what sin earns. Uh, this is what the unrighteous will inherit instead of the kingdom of God. And this is huge. This is the root. This is the weight 
of our sin, and we, we have to see how destructive this is, how, how hard this is uh, to read. This 9 and 10, without knowing what verse 11 is, uh, we should feel this weight. The unrighteous will absolutely not inherit the kingdom of God, and we get so, something so much worse because of that sin. But I'm very thankful for verse 11. Paul says, And such were some of you. Paul writes this to the Corinthians, Such was I, Jesse, such were some of you here today, such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So Paul uses these these three similar terms to remind these people, these Corinthians, uh, that this is what they used to be. This is what their identity used to be. Uh, Everything about them were these unrighteous people um, who got hell uh, instead of the kingdom. Uh, But now he writes to them that they no longer have to find their identity in this sin, in this this terrible, weighty uh, sin. Instead, they have been washed. They have been cleansed from the filthy stain of sin. Um, They have been and continue to be sanctified to grow in the likeness of Christ. Um, And they have been justified. Uh, God the just, creator and ruler of all things, no longer sees their sin. Uh, Instead, uh, he now sees Christ uh, who acted as their perfect substitute. So John Calvin actually sums up verse 11 pretty well. I liked it a lot. Uh, Having been once justified, they must not draw down upon themselves a new condemnation. That having been sanctified, they must not pollute themselves anew. That having been washed, they must not disgrace themselves with new defilements, but on the contrary, aim at purity, persevere in true holiness, and abominate their former pollutions. We are no longer filthy, disgusting, terrible sinners, Uh, destined for hell. We get to be a new creation, um, and we get to enjoy him uh, forever. And so last, uh, Paul gets to remind us uh, who does this work. How how is all this possible? So he says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So we know that the only way a a just God can see a right, a legal standing of us um, and, and, and pull us away from what, uh, we, what we do get, our punishment that we, we should get. The only way this can happen is because of the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. This is mercy, that we don't get what we deserve. He has pulled us away because of Jesus. And the only way um, that not only we are saved from hell, the uh, only way we get to be a part of this, uh, this kingdom of God, the only way that this is possible at all, the only way we get to inherit the kingdom is by the Spirit of God. This is grace. This is a gift that we absolutely do not deserve. We deserve the complete opposite. Um, this is amazing. And so thinking about this, uh, I thought of uh, my grandfather, uh, he's a really cool guy. He was awesome. Uh, I called him uh, G-Daddy uh, because my first cousin could not 
say grand at all. So instead of saying granddaddy, he could say G. Uh, so he said G daddy. Uh, he's a cool guy. Um, he worked in education uh, for pretty much all his life uh, as a teacher, a football coach, a principal. So he really enjoyed this. It was uh, kind of who he, who he was, what he did. Uh, and so he did it for a long time. Uh, I think a lot of people admired him. Uh, he was pretty good at his job. They named the football stadium, a hometown after him. Uh, it was pretty cool. Um, and so uh, because he had, he had worked so long uh, in education, the retirement, whatever my dad talks to me about all the time because he thinks I should be a teacher and earn this retirement too, uh, working so many years doing this, uh, this much work, um, he got a pretty good retirement uh, check, uh, but he passed away uh, very soon after he retired. Uh, and so he wanted to uh, leave that retirement money to his uh, four grandkids, split between us four. Um, and so this money uh, is kind of part of my inheritance. Um, now, it's not a lot. Uh, it's not a ton of money. I would definitely uh, just be hanging out all day and not teaching preschool uh, every day if it was a lot of money. Um, but I am doing that. But uh, it has been a huge blessing uh, to us uh, when we got to, to buy a house, to safely buy a house with no problems, uh, when Lucy was born, uh, Chandler taking off work, we got to take some money out of that account uh, just to kind of stay above uh, water. It has been a huge blessing, but I did absolutely nothing uh, for that money. Uh, absolutely not. I, I think I was a pretty cool uh, grandkid sometimes, but I was also a brat sometimes uh, who didn't deserve anything, let alone uh, some money. Um, I did nothing to earn this. Uh, it was only because of who my grandpa was, uh, what he had done through all these years, what he had worked for, uh, and in the end, his love for me, not based on anything that I could have done as a kid or even now. Um, so how much greater a gift uh, is grace? Uh, how much more undeserving these, these sinful, unrighteous people before Christ are we of this great gift of grace? How much more difficult, it's impossible, how much more difficult is it to gain salvation? Absolutely impossible. Thank God that it is not up to us to earn this. It is not up to us to, to do so much work, uh, whatever we can do uh, to earn this salvation. Uh, because as we saw earlier, by ourselves, uh, we hate God, we love sin, and we would never choose Him. We would never choose salvation above these creations, this sin that we love so much in darkness. Um, the Spirit is responsible for this work of salvation. Ephesians 2 um, puts it so much better than I could ever say. Um, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we are dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. This is, this is wonderful. This is beautiful. This is the truth of the gospel. This truth that we suppress 
in our flesh, this, this good news that we would rather turn away from and turn to sin. This is amazing, very, 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 very good news. Um, and so, as a believer, if you're here today, um, do you believe this truth by yourselves? We talk a lot about knowing the gospel, knowing the truth of it, and believing it. Do you believe this truth about you, or are you weighed down from tons of shame, tons of condemnation for, um, for sin? I, I can remind you today that you should not feel that at all. This sermon should have not at all uh, reminded you of sin, and immediately you go to shame. You have been forgiven. God has forgiven you. He has made you a new creation, and you are no longer a slave to sin. So you get to run to Jesus who has open arms and he is ready to embrace you. So if you feel that shame, you get to do that. You are no longer condemned uh, for past sin, for sin that you have committed today, that you're committing right now. You are forgiven. Also, um, if you're a believer and you, like me, I, I talked about earlier, you don't see sin as a big deal a lot of times. Um, you love the creation more than the creator. You, you don't feel this weight of sin. You don't understand the path of destruction and pain that it leads to. If you're here today and, you, and that's you, you do not have to indulge in sin to be satisfied. Because in Christ, uh, as you know, we find everything. Uh, so we get to repent, turn from our sin, and look to Jesus for every need we have. Um, sin will never satisfy me, and so why not turn to the Creator who gives me everything I need? One of my favorite uh, lines in a song that speaks of sin that wraps that up very well is, so rather than make light of it, sin, or minimize the size of it, we should marvel at the magnitude of mercy. Are we every day marveling seeing how amazing grace and mercy is. Um, it is. It is awesome, and we don't deserve it. Uh, but if we are not looking at it every day uh, with amazement, if, if we aren't talking about it uh, every day like we do um, these little things, um, these uh, basketball playoffs, this great food that we have, uh, even good things like our family. Are we talking about our family more than this awesome gift we have? If that is true, don't worry. Just check yourself Look at your heart, analyze what you're doing, and marvel at the magnitude of what mercy is. See the weight of sin. It is, it is, it is big, and it is, it is weighty, it is painful, uh, but Christ is so much bigger, so much greater, so much more eternal than sin. So last, uh, if you are not at all sure of things, um, maybe this being the first time you've ever heard the gospel pro proclaimed. Um, maybe you've, you've heard it before, you've listened, uh, but you haven't really heard it. This is the first time it's, it's clicking. Uh, I, I beg you, um, and do not leave at all uh, without talking to someone. Um, like we say a lot of times every week, go have lunch with someone, ask some questions. Uh, I think anybody who is a member here uh, would love to go eat lunch with you. Join a uh, MC, Michigan Community, gathering one night, uh, ask good questions, uh, be sure uh, of, of, of what's happening uh, in you, be sure of, of what you're hearing, um, because 
Uh, we absolutely do not rely on weekly gatherings, on sermons, on this music being played um, to substitute for discipleship of believers. Um, this time, this building are absolutely not the church, very far from it. Um, the people here, uh, we are the church. We get to be the church, this body of believers, brothers and sisters together. And so, please talk with someone. Uh, we strongly desire, as the Crossing Church, uh, to see the lost come alive in Christ. Um, we want to celebrate that with you uh, through life together. Um, we, want, we, would, we would love to show you what being a disciple of God looks like in the everyday. And so, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are, um, who you have always been, who you will absolutely always be. Um, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy and who that makes us forever. God, I pray that um, in the weight of sin, in the knowledge of, of what our sin is, of, of why we sin, what that means about what we're thinking of you. God, I pray that you, instead of allowing us to throw ourselves in shame and condemnation, uh, you lift us up, you provide for us your word, you always provide um, this body to encourage us. God, I pray that we run to these, um, these awesome gifts that you've given us uh, not to be satisfied in them at all, not to worship the creation, uh, but rather be reminded of the gospel. Re be reminded of this truth that we have so long suppressed. God, I pray that in everything, uh, every good gift, um, that we not look at the temporal blessing that it provides, the temporal high that it provides, um, but that we look to it as a good gift from you. And in, and in that, we turn and worship you so much more because of it. God, thank you so much for this body of believers. I pray that you uh, continue to bless us, uh, not in the, in the way of being a, uh, a good church in, in the sense of getting numbers or um, that people enjoy a worship gathering. God, I pray uh, above all um, the people that are here uh, in this body that we are loving one another, encouraging one another, reminding each other of this gospel. Uh, and that we are absolutely uh, making a dent in the lost population of Monroe, God. I pray that that happens. I pray that we can, can see how good you are, and, and, and that fills us up to do nothing more than to spread this gospel, to proclaim this gospel, and love these people in Monroe. Thank you so much uh, for your son uh, and who that makes me, who that makes us uh, forever. Amen.